0: This is the Getzy Health Podcast with Jeanique and Tristan Roney. Hey guys, welcome back to the Getzy Health Podcast. We have a really exciting episode for you. Um, I want to introduce to you our two guests um, that are here with us today. So we'll first start with Shannon, who is calling in from uh, California. So, Shannon, do you want to introduce yourself?
1: Yeah. Hi, my name is.
0: Shannon Kinnett, I am excited to be recording this podcast with you guys. And um, Shannon, you and I met. Um, you you did the blood uh, work with us, and that's how we became friends. And then we started following each other on Instagram. And I just I love everything you post. You're a stay at home mom uh, of. Two boys, one on the way, and everything you post is so intelligent and so intellectual and so thoughtful, and you're not afraid to go down really dark rabbit holes. And so um, I, I will introduce to you guys in a little bit um, why I begged her to come on here. <laughs> but let's go to our second guest, who is Liza. And she's just Liza, like Beyonce. Just, just <laughs> Liza, not like Beyonce. But just Liza. Liza, <laughs> please introduce yourself. And um, when when um, I, when I came up with this idea, I'll, I'll tell you guys the story in a little bit. But when I came up with this idea to do this episode, I was like, "Liz my wordsmith. She's so smart. Like she knows every like all these controversial issues, like back to front. I'm like, she needs to be on here. So, Liza, tell us a little bit about who you are."
2: Hi, my name is Liza, and I don't like authority. So, <laughs> I, love
3: I love that you. so much. Yeah. That is the perfect introduction. And you guys, Tristan's
0: here too. And
3: I'm also here, and I'm going to be taking more of a, a backseat role on this one. My job is to listen and to chastise all the men listening every now and then. <laughs> but that's so, basically going to be my no, role.
0: we want to... Okay, so I had to... You guys... Our, our episode... Okay, let me back off. Um, I had to beg Tristan to be a part of this episode because he's like, no, this is a female space. Like, women need to talk about this. And I said, no, you need to... Um What's the word I'm looking for? Show other men. You need to model. to model for other men what holding space for women looks like. You know, it can't just be women holding space for women. Men have to learn how to hold space for women too. We need allies in all shapes and forms and colors.
3: So as soon as she said modeling, I was like, oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like, sign me up for the modeling. Model. I'm
0: <laughs>
3: so I'm actually I'm really excited I get to be a part of this because it is actually surprisingly rare that you get an opportunity to listen in and and be a participant without taking over um, yeah. as a man, right? Because that's sort of the expectation <laughs> in so many circles that that if you're there you're in charge, and that's so wrong. Mm-hmm. And we don't do a good enough job of listening. So. Yeah. This is hopefully the most I talk for the whole episode.
0: So I I want Shannon to share in a little bit what was going through her head. The episode is basically um, about women who do not have credentials and they also don't have any space in the health realm. Like for some reason, there are not a lot of women in this space that um, are not doctors don't have PhDs or they're not MDs. And so how this came up was uh, Shannon was listening to our last uh, episode on, wh- which one was it, you guys? Turf Wars. Turf Force, yeah. Information Turf Force. Yep. And um, we, Tristan and I were listing off a bunch of men that weren't doctors, but had created these health empires. And uh, Shannon messaged me and she said, you know, I love this episode, but you didn't mention any women. And I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't. Like, who are the women in this space that aren't doctors, but are creating health empires? And you guys, there's not a lot. Like, there's not a lot of women out there that are as big as the Ben Greenfields and the Chris Cressers. And who else did we mention, you guys? Uh,
3: Dave Asprey. Mark, Mark yeah, Sisson. Dave Asprey. Dave Mark Asprey. Sisson, yep.
0: Exactly. So so Shannon, what was going through your head when you were listening to that episode?
1: You know, I, I kind of bring it back to when I was, Um, still working in kind of the corporate world and um, I guess calling it corporate, a little upselling it. I've always been in the startup world. So Mm -hmm. um, things that like they kind of have buttoned down in the corporate world just are crazy in the startup world when it comes to gender bias and gender dynamics Mm -hmm. um, and just this kind of like unconscious bias that exists in the workplace. So it's something that I became pretty uh, like acutely aware of when I was working yeah. was, you know, amount of talk time that women get over men, uh, mm-hmm. the amount of times women will get interrupted in conversation. Totally, And um, it like brought me down this kind of like, where does all of this come from? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like rabbit hole. Um, and, yeah. it, and it brought a lot of attention to me, even, you know, as a woman, I found that I even was more inclined to, be comfortable. If, if I really had to get a word in, I would be more comfortable. I guess I uh, definitely unconsciously, but stepping on the toes of another woman finishing her sentences mm-hmm. versus a man. A man. So yeah, yeah like I, I got really kind of nerdy and and went down the rabbit hole on unconscious bias and a lot of what I kind of discovered there is, you know, uh, women have to be a lot more secure and have a lot more validation and this is a broad sweeping statement so mm-hmm. there are certainly women who don't require this you know extra security and, and they have all the confidence in the world and they can go out and do it but yeah. generally speaking i think women need to be 100 percent confident that what they're about to say is valid that it's you know worthy being heard that it's backed by science um or or you know whatever whatever platform you're speaking in
0: totally
1: um and, and I, I have seen that a lot in the health space and, and I have, I've been noticing it, um, even, you know, before the, the turf wars episode, uh, that there are a lot of men who can make really bold statements. Yep. Um, and, and specifically men that are not credentialed men that are just like these wonderful women out here who are just who are saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. And, and they're really, you know, doing their research and they're, they're knowledgeable and I, I have faith that they're, you know, speaking from a place of integrity and, and they believe it. But a lot of the times you'll see a man go out and say something um, that's just like kind of a shocking claim in, in like a health regard. And, and you know, my thing is based on this peer-reviewed literature or yep. this, you know, journal or this study of X number of people. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas. whereas I believe women in this space. I mean, I I see Instagram posts where there are you know full uh, captions continued in comments with just citing sources yes. after they make a somewhat harmless claim like eat more vegetables. Right? Yes. <laughs> like, yes. So I can't tell you where it came from.
0: I can't tell you <laughs> how many times I've been told I am a dangerous person for preaching to people to eat more vegetables. Um, I mean tens of times I can't say hundreds of times, but like like literally weekly there is some uh, professional out there in a health industry that is trying to tear my claims down and I'm like, well go research it then you know like how is telling parents that feeding your child more vegetables is bad for them you know like how do I gain what do I profit from teaching people this like I like I said in my last podcast episode i'm I'm not a CEO of like sugarless candies. You know what I mean? <laughs> like yeah, I am yeah. not, I do not have my, um, my billion dollar business where I'm selling something. So anyways, but yes, there is this massive divide basically where, um, we as women and, and you see women arguing against women as well. You know, it's the gatekeepers mm-hmm. and how, why, where did this start from? Liza, jump in. Oh my gosh! How much time do we have? So much. Go I, like,
2: as a stay-at-home mom who has like really mundane tasks over the last you know decade and a half, mm-hmm. I've had an enormous amount of thinking time. Yeah, and so I'm that's like, dangerous. <laughs> it's my own, that's really like, dangerous. My brain is a rabbit hole. I'm like, I don't know if you want to go down there.
3: <laughs> no, that's why you're here. That's why you're here. Share it.
2: I mean. Yeah, Wordsmith this, us to right, So this this is an, intelligence. <laughs> this is a global, all encompassing problem, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and we are seeing. So, in my personal, unprofessional opinion. Because I don't get paid to have this opinion, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hence, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's all we have. But, <laughs> but it's mine. There is there is a major shift in consciousness going mm-hmm. on right now because yeah. we see these systems that have been put into place for the last several hundred years that the fruit of is destruction, mm-hmm. and people are not enjoying being a part of the downfall of systemic problems that are mm-hmm. leading to a lot of chaos, a lot of depression, a lot of isolation, mm-hmm. a lot of anxiety, a lot, a lot, of, lot of crises, yeah, a lot of health crises, mm-hmm. a lot of monetary crises, a lot of relationship crises. So mm-hmm. so I think in that in those moments where things aren't going well, it's human nature to think how did we get here and what can I do to prevent this? Yeah. So we kind of do the backlog of, well, let's see all the milestones that Mm -hmm. brought us to this place in this moment of crisis, and then what can we do to pull out of this? Mm -hmm. And that's where we are, right? And that's where we are globally. Mm -hmm. So what I feel like we are seeing is a patriarchal, like, systemic problem Mm -hmm. of recognizing that the people who have been experts and authority figures Mm -hmm. for centuries— don't have our best interest in store. Yeah, They have their own best interest in store. Mm-hmm. So right. they are here to build empires on the backs of the masses. Yeah, And we have enough technology and enough education and enough smarts for the masses to gather and speak to each other online. Mm-hmm. Like we're doing right now. Like we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. And we kind of find each <laughs> other, you know, yes. like we move past the shame and the fear the things that are preventing us from being honest yeah. and then we find each other and we're starting these conversations of hey I'm not cool with this anymore. Yeah. So that's that's what's happening everywhere. Yeah. Um in in the medical field, I mean you you can't separate what's happening in agriculture and medicine yeah. and education and government yeah. and in even in intimate families, yeah. right? Yep. And so we've been taught um especially because in America it's a very Machine like factory like mentality. Mm-hmm. And there's a sense of being we're like born and bred to be a part of this matrix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's rather soulless. Mm-hmm. It really Super. demands that we negate our own reality, we mm-hmm. negate our own emotional experiences, and we negate it's not even a sense of intuition, it's just a sense of. Our own personal autonomy and our mm-hmm. own personal sovereignty. Yeah. So we are taught through the school system and through our family systems that we are to outsource our decision-making to mm-hmm. people who have more expertise than we do. Yep. And yep. it's
0: turned into so yep, and so we switch off our own right like uh, intuition, basically, our own gut feelings, right to re- rely on authority. Right. And the
2: gaslighting, Mm -hmm. the amount of gaslighting that Mm -hmm. happens from experts and authority figures to deny people's lived experience is problematic and systemic. And we see very harmful, real consequences from this. Right. So people are not getting the diagnosis that they need. They're yeah. living in chronic disease states. They are told that they're not in pain, that it's psychosomatic.
0: Well, and our, our diseases are changing mm-hmm. dramatically. We're going more and more into these obscure autoimmune diseases that when you go to a doctor and you tell them your symptoms and you don't fit in a box, then what do they tell you? Like, oh, it's, it's all in your head, right? And that's especially true for women, but what's even yeah. worse is it's especially true for black women. <laughs> Statistics yes. have shown if you're a black woman, like your doctor's less willing to listen to you and sympathize with you. But if you're a woman versus a man, your doctor won't listen to you as much as he would another man. So it's, it is it is the systemic kind of inability to be sympathetic to women and to our experiences because we are what we're hormonal, right? It's that time of the month or, you know, it's all of these excuses Um, And we use those excuses to not listen to each other. Yeah. Sorry, I kind of went off track. But as I was saying, we are no longer like all of these new diseases, these stealth pathogens, these autoimmune things that are all linking to each other. All of these gut dysfunction things that are causing these other symptoms that nobody understands. Like it's a real thing and doctors can't recognize it. Therefore, it doesn't exist. And that needs to stop. And so that's what people like us are trying to do out there right now. And so, sorry, Liz, I No, I don't apologize. Keep going. Preach. So. <laughs> keep going. No.
1: Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. And I think a lot of times what I've seen, um, and even in my own personal experience is if you come in and you say, I'm experiencing things that to one person might present as like, like you said, an autoimmune or, you know, let's, let's do a deeper dive and, and see how, all of your total blood count, all of your levels are Mm -hmm. um, just to somebody who is maybe not has invested in your overall health will just present as symptoms of like depression. So, um, you know, I think women are so frequently diagnosed and, you know, this is so close to me because I've had so many children or not so many, but I've had kids so close together and um, now I'm pregnant again. Um, But Mm -hmm. even just going into my doctor for an annual saying, you know, hey, I, I don't feel completely right. You know, I'm. I feel good, not great. I have brain fog and occasionally having digestive issues, and just it, really going down a list of like, where do you think we should start? Where do you think mm-hmm. we should start looking? And a, a female doctor who she has kids herself, she looks at me, and she goes, "These are classic symptoms of postpartum depression." Mm-hmm. Um, and and the immediate reaction was let's get you on Zoloft and I can't even remember what it was that she offered but I was thinking I've been really aware of my you know mental health being at the time a working mom and um, I told her like all of my practices that I've been doing is like why why wouldn't we start with like what's your mindfulness practice like what's Mm -hmm. your diet like you Mm -hmm. know why why are we not going there and um, you know I think there's a really easy opportunity for doctors to just quickly brush it off as oh, just another hysterical woman, just uh, another woman with depression or Mm -hmm. another overloaded, overwhelmed mom. Mm -hmm. Whereas my husband, very equally overwhelmed. (laughs) You know, my my husband is a a really equal partner in the household and I'm so lucky to be able to say that. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think if he were to go into the doctor and say, hey doc, I'm feeling symptoms of brain fog and digestive distress and, you know, I'm not really feeling myself. I don't know that the initial reaction would be I think you have, you to, have depression, right, right? right, It would probably be like, let's check you your testosterone
0: or something. Right,
1: mm-hmm. right. But I, I guess kind of what I wanted to bring light to here is how gender dynamics are playing like a pretty big role in all of the health and wellness space, not yeah. just like classical allopathic medicine and the relationships you have with doctors and, and how women interface with, you know, both male and female doctors Mm -hmm. and and all of that, but also as a consumer, as you know, everybody's a consumer, as a person who has a social media account, you know, how's my bias and how am I, you know, interpreting information that's shared by women versus men?
0: Um, And are we,
1: are we given a fair shot and are we giving each other a fair shot? Um, I don't know.
0: I know in my experience, like I subconsciously will gravitate towards men. And this is my own subconscious hypocrisy because um, I do look for doctor authorities. I do look for them spouting off research. If I came across another person like myself on the internet spewing off nutritional advice, I'd totally brush past them, you know, cause I'd be like, who are they? What do they know? You know what I mean? Um, but what my space and I'm just going to talk about what I try to do on the internet. If you're a new listener to the podcast, um, My goal is to help women, especially stay-at-home moms, empower themselves and advocate for themselves and their children. And I try to do that by educating them about health and wellness because no one has ever paved the way for just us normal moms, right? People who don't have degrees, people who don't have PhDs or MDs in health and wellness. Like no one has ever given us the permission to take our power back, no one. Yet we are all drowning. We're all just drowning in this system that takes away everything from us, takes away our intuition, takes away our gut feeling, takes away um, our ability to make choices, right? Because you're sick. Like let's say your child just gets an ear infection. Everyone's knee reaction is to just go to a doctor and get antibiotics, right? Well, why don't we just slow down as moms and like pay attention to the symptoms and the signs, do a little bit of research, and, you know, maybe, maybe they don't have to go to the doctor today or tomorrow or something. Now, if you're listening out there, I'm not telling you to not go to your doctors. Um, but what I am saying is 80% of ear infections is viral, but 100% of them are treated with antibiotics. So little gems of knowledge like that could really save your child's gut biome and their immune system down The line, you know what I mean? So I think there is this new age in this new era. I mean, like this concept of self-advocating for ourselves is really catching fire because we're so hungry for it. Because us women with our bizarre health symptoms that no one can figure out, we're so thirsty for knowledge. We're so thirsty for anything to help us in the right direction. But when we start to go down these rabbit holes of education of self-empowerment, what happens?
2: Pretty easily minimized and dismissed
0: completely, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. have, have any of you guys ever experienced that? <laughs> Constantly. Okay, so share
2: some stories. I mean, just the. I remember the first. So my very first baby was uh, born in the hospital, mm-hmm. and I was a new mom, and I was young, mid twenties, and I was just doing what everybody else was doing. Mm-hmm. So, and I thought I was really educated because I thought I was asking all the right questions. Yeah. Right. So I. Went to my doctor, who was just a family practitioner and who also delivered babies, and remember talking to him in a couple of my prenatals and talking about episiotomies and my options and different things like this. And he's like, "Well, it's policy, blah blah blah." Mm. And is it? I, I've noticed that this happens, blah blah blah. You know, yeah. and so I just remember being like, "Well, okay." I mean. You've done this hundreds right. of times. Yeah, you're right? the expert. Like, yeah, like you've, you've delivered hundreds of babies and I right. haven't delivered any. So,
0: mm-hmm. yeah.
2: And then my second baby, I, I actually was a uh, short story, um, a long story made short. Mm-hmm. We didn't have any insurance anymore because my husband moved. F- to start up company with no insurance, and an epidural was like two thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So I was just thinking, it's a lot of money. It's for an a epidural. lot of money. Oh my it's gosh. a lot of money for an epidural. So I was thinking, if I could give birth without an epidural, then I could save two thousand dollars. And like, if I wanted to spend a quarter of that or half of that on me, I'd still be saving a thousand dollars, and I could just have a thousand bucks to right. go do something awesome, yeah, right? <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So get a Right. So that was yeah, like a challenge, exactly. right? So I went to. um, <laughs> like a hypnobabies birthing class mm-hmm. and that's when i started getting information and yes. education outside of the system and that was my first yes. experience with information outside of the standard outside of the system outside of the system mm-hmm. and my mind like every week my mind was just blown wide shattered open. I remember I had that no mm-hmm. idea yeah that this was a thing right I had no idea this was a possibility I had no idea that these two things connected Yeah. I had no idea that that's how my own body worked yeah because yeah. no one and it's it's embarrassing to admit that right when mm-hmm. you're an adult woman who is pregnant with her first baby and you've Feel like you're tracking your cycles and you're all grown up and you're making your own money and everything's Mm -hmm. fine. And then somebody tells you about your own body. Mm -hmm. And it's just that gap in information we are not telling each other. Yeah.
3: It's probably fair to say your doctor didn't know that about your body either, <laughs> even though it was literally his job.
2: Well, look at the medical texts, right? I mean, mm-hmm. look, the standard is the male body. The standard is constantly the male body. I remember just a few weeks ago, it, like the internet exploded with female anatomy like muscle tissues and, you know, oh, everyone's yeah. like, oh, like breast tissue looks like a flower. Like nobody had ever visually yeah. seen that before because <laughs> right. we don't, right? Because mm-hmm. we're ter- like, and we equate it to sexuality and yeah. we equate it to all these things that have nothing to do with it. Yeah. And so when you're in a female body experiencing this world and the standard is male, where are you going to have any kind of representation yeah. of your own lived experience Yeah. There's inside the medical world?
3: There's an article I just read today where they've discovered that there are fundamental differences in the brains of female mice versus male mice. And that's huge because they've been doing research using mice on neurology and Mm -hmm. brain function for decades, probably over a century, without knowing that Mm -hmm. and assuming that a brain is a brain is a brain. Yeah. And now we have to go back and reconsider every single brain study that's been done using mice mm-hmm. to see does this actually apply to women in the same way as it does to men?
1: So I actually have a, a pretty relevant oh. like personal experience story to share yes. about science versus authority. Yeah. Um. So when I was in my third trimester of my pregnancy with my second Jack, um, I contracted cmv uh, cytomegalovirus which is a Mm -hmm. really common virus Mm -hmm. um you know based on what i've been told and what i've read most people get cmv they brush it off as you know a flu or they just go in to see their doctor and they're just diagnosed with the flu Mm -hmm. um and it's just totally something that the proper functioning immune system and in a non-pregnant non-immunocompromised person not a big deal yeah Well, because I was pregnant, I had really, really horrible symptoms of this virus. And Mm -hmm. it was after many failed flu tests where everybody was telling me, you have to have the flu. This is definitely the flu. I I took three different flu tests. And finally, they're like, okay, let's look into like what else this could be. And they did some blood draws and some titer testing and discovered that I had cytomegalovirus. And that was, Mm. you know, a, a primary infection Late in pregnancy, so it was less, you know, kind of threatening or scary than had I gotten it in my first trimester. Right. Um, but I had about uh, seven or eight weeks left in my pregnancy. It was like very early third trimester. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, after I recovered, my first kind of question for my midwife and the medical team that I saw that I was working with, the neonatal infectious disease team at the hospital uh, was, you know, what what's the risk? What is the risk that this passes to the baby, and Mm -hmm. what is the plan of action from there? And I I heard from the neonatal infectious disease team, um, you know, what's the kind of percentage chance of it passing, and what the plan would be if he did come back with a positive CMD, congenital CMD test or diagnosis, Mm -hmm. um, and all these different things. And of course, I spent the remaining seven or eight weeks of my pregnancy, pouring through all of the, the research that's been done on congenital CMV, on treatment options, on all of the different things that would happen uh, or could happen. And I had a lot of, a lot of research, you know, time before having my son, mm-hmm. um, And I knew the plan would be okay, they're going to test him. You know, right there, they have to get the first urine and they're going to test him. And if it comes back positive, we're going to see are there other symptoms of, uh, is he symptomatic or asymptomatic? So are there other symptoms of this diagnosis, of this uh, virus? And, you know, did he pass his newborn hearing screen? Mm -hmm. He did. By the way, he was born nine pounds five ounces, you oh, know, wow. perfect Apgar, score, like yeah, big <laughs> was healthy perfect. guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Passed the hearing test. Is like came out ready to eat, like doing good. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of a sudden, with this positive urine test, he did. He will have a positive diagnosis from the urine test of congenital CMB. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything else was great. And all of a sudden, I had a team of pediatric infectious disease doctors mm. telling me that they needed to take my baby into the NICU. Yeah. And I was challenging that and saying, why do we need to take an asymptomatic baby into the NICU? And the fact that I even said asymptomatic, they're like, are you a nurse? Uh-huh. <laughs> like a, You're so not to use words like that.
3: <laughs> That's a really big I word, said, lady. Uh, <laughs> you
1: have a degree to use
3: that word? Mm-hmm.
0: Right. <laughs> you
1: know, like a self-educated, you know, really kind of, passionate about figuring this thing out mom Mm um and it it started with just one doctor oh we need to take him into the NICU we need to do this and I said "Ah, I I'm actually very comfortable with the plan that we have with our pediatrician yeah and I I don't want to do that Mm -hmm. and then of course my husband leaves to go shower after you know being in the hospital he leaves me there with a newborn oh dear they send (laughs) six different doctors into my room uh, oh, my gosh. Things, like, like the, With your husband, I want to say the entire rotating ex- Exactly. Oh my and then is this is this really like uh, coincidental timing that my husband's not here or is this you know, I don't know. That that's the kind of thing that goes through my mind. is, like, oh, we need to get a, a baby into a NICU or not take the exhausted mom who's been up shoving. Peer review journals in our face all night and not sleeping because she's feeding a newborn baby. Why don't we ask her then to take her baby into NICU when her husband's yep. gone? Mm-hmm. And how do you know um, what a peer
0: review journal is, Shannon? <laughs> like,
1: how do you know that?
0: <laughs> Sorry, keep you know, going. Keep going. I'm being snarky. No, <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> no, but really, these are the kinds of things they're asking me all these different. It, it, l- luckily, this is my second child. And, and had it been my first, I, I think things would have gone a lot differently. Right. I, I learned a lot, you know, through, unfortunately, trial and error with my first. And thank God, it's been part of my kind of awakening journey. But I think it's just so interesting how you have the, the doctors that come in, especially the specialists that mm-hmm. come in and will say, um, you know, I had so many specialists tell me, I understand that the American Association of Pediatrics, the National Institute of Health, the Center for Disease Control, all of these credible people say, do not treat an asymptomatic baby with a congenital CMV diagnosis. Do not treat. Yeah. Um, but yep. if it were my kid, I would treat. You know, if it were well, my kid, I would do it. And mm. and I'm sitting there thinking, am I supposed to respect that you would treat because right. you're a doctor? Like, right. Right. W- <laughs> what does that say to all the other things that contradict what you're saying to exactly. me? <laughs> and and so, kind of so a long story, but
0: so you were able to like keep your child at a NICU, right? Oh what yeah. Happened? But that
1: was it. That was a process. I mean,
0: mm-hmm. they, it was the bullying. I, like they try to bully you into it.
1: Oh yeah. So mm-hmm. they actually transferred me. Um, wow. They transferred me to a different hospital because oh I gosh. said I'm not letting my baby out of my sight. You got fired. Um, wow.
0: Good for you. No, thank thank God. (laughs) Now there are a lot of women sitting here probably like, oh my gosh, can we do that? And I want to say, yes, you can. Like you absolutely can can do these things. Please
2: do these things. Like it's
0: so I I came across a lady who was like uh, 75, 80 years old, and she she looks like she's like 50, and she was telling me her story of how she was deathly ill in her twenties, like suicidal, just so sick. And she found someone, I'm trying to shorten this story. She found someone who um, taught her how to be an expert at her health and she healed herself. But one of the, the things I'll never forget is that person told her, you know, Jane, Everybody needs to be their own expert in their health. And that is absolutely true. We all need to be experts. Like, we should, like, one, we have to. We have to. In this day and age where there's so many bizarre health issues going on, there's so many um, laws that are against us that hinder our ability to heal and repair and to have healthy lifestyles. Um, like, we need to be super sleuths in these areas so that we can advocate for ourselves and our children and we can see and make decisions to prevent long-term health issues, right? Like we all need to be experts. And so when you hear Shannon's story like this, yes, you can do that too. Like not only can you, you should. And I, and and I want to give you guys the courage to do that.
3: And this is where things really do diverge between your average male experience and your average female experience. Because as a, man, as a boy, even I was taught that I had the right to do this sort of a thing that I could take control over my own experience and that I could stand up to authority and become an expert and say, this is what I'm doing. Right. Mm -hmm. I was taught that women are generally not taught that, right. They're taught to, accept the authority of others, and to do what they're told. Mm-hmm. And so you have to, as women, you have to overcome a whole lifetime of training about what is acceptable and what is not. Yeah, And if there's one nice thing about systems of privilege and oppression, it's that they tend to mirror each other mm-hmm. in different areas. So the male privilege in one area can turn into... authority, oppression in another, right? So as a, as a male, I've got some really good natural privilege that helps me in a general situation. But when it comes to interacting with medical professionals, Mm -hmm. right? I, I experience more of the oppression side because I don't have the letters after my name that give me authority. And that helps me to develop a sense of compassion and empathy for people who experience. Uh, oppression in areas where I typically experience privilege. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully people out there who are listening, who maybe are not relating very well to a lot of what's been said, because you're not a, a, an uncredentialed woman mm-hmm. who has to kind of deal with all the stuff. Hopefully you can find some areas in your life where you have experienced mm-hmm. oppression, right? For me, it was being a cancer patient and basically being a guinea pig for the medical professionals to say, okay, we're going to do this next. Right. And for almost a year, me saying, well, you're the professional, I guess that's what I do, even if it didn't feel right.
0: right. And right. and we would try to interject some change in that. And they would be like, right. oh, well, we might consider that later.
3: Yeah. Getting the message over and over mm-hmm. again that my input was was not useless, important. right? Mm-hmm. That, oh, you're just a, an, an uncredentialed chump. So mm-hmm. thank you for sharing your opinion. Now go back to your corner so we can do our jobs. Right. Um, and, and that was extremely valuable for me in understanding more of what people go through. And then seeing Jeanique go through childbirth in the same hospital where I was being treated for cancer yeah. and the awful, awful way that we were treated. We, I say we, really the way that she was treated mm-hmm. and the way that they completely ignored all of our wishes. All of them. And did what they felt like doing, which, by the way, was not in the best interests of Jeanique nor our child Satori. And then you're
2: supposed to be grateful after. Yeah, absolutely. So, so anyway,
3: that that was my experience of of really learning to develop a sense of oh, Mm -hmm. this is what it's like to be in that position, the one down position versus the one up position. Yeah. And I think everybody, just about everybody out there has had that experience. So use that as your lever to develop more empathy, more compassion. Yeah. And then use that empathy and compassion to change how you relate with other people. Totally. Thanks, babe. Yeah.
0: Um so I think the the majority of listeners out there are Uh, women, probably mostly moms, maybe stay-at-home moms that are between like the ages of 25 and 45. And if you're listening, I think we are somehow sometimes confused as to how to go about these systems, these medical models and stuff, because we haven't had a lot of modeling for us. Before we recorded in a text, we're trying to come up with women in this space that aren't credentialed, right? Because if you're listening there's a good chance that you don't have any credentials in the health space. You're not a doctor or a dietitian or anything like that. And th- I want you to know that that is okay. But it's interesting because, well, then where do we look? Where do we look to people that are modeling the way for us to show us how we can act what we can do? Because women need women. Empowered women need to show other women how to be empowered. So where are we looking? Um, Shannon, you brought up a really good example. Uh, Do you want to share who that was that you follow on Instagram? I follow her too, actually.
1: Yeah. On Instagram, her handle is Empowered Autoimmune. Her name is Allie. Um, She's really inspiring. And and one of these people who is just like bulletproof with her uh, resources. Mm -hmm. She cites everything. Um, Any claims or any statements, you know, it's very well cited, very well researched. Um, mm-hmm. She's even a senior researcher for a wellness site called Green Med Info. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Which the uh, mainstream medical world completely despises, by the way.
1: Like they don't like (laughs) green med. Google's pretty much taken down.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Google like completely diverts all the traffic away from them.
3: I actually just read her recent article on Green Med Info about autoimmune and how there's a natural use case for it. And it's not this black and white bad thing. Mm -hmm. It is such an incredible article. Mm -hmm. She is brilliant. And it took me hours to get through it because I had to go and look up words that I didn't understand. Yeah, She is so intelligent. She's really smart.
1: So great. And I think she's a wonderful resource for people looking for an example of like, how to be just like really strong and empowered mm-hmm. and, and assert your intelligence mm-hmm. you know, on, on any subject. Yeah. Um, obviously, fangirling a little bit over here, Janique, you're like one of my favorites. I, I look to you for all sorts of uh, advice. And, you know, I swear when I first discovered your page, I sat and looked at every single oh. highlight on your, <laughs> on your Instagram and I'm like, I need to go out and buy. Uh, I even had my, my local pharmacy order cattle and chewables for my kids because, That's of, so awesome. <laughs> because of one oh of your gosh. stories. But I think like the most important thing, well, I, I love, I personally am like a junkie for just like learn, learn, learn and, and look what other people are getting into and do my own research. But I think that the most empowering thing that any mom, especially, but any parent or just person can do is dig in, like Mm -hmm. just dive in and, and read a conflicting opinions, read both sides of the story. Look at, um, when, when you're considering some type of treatment or when you're considering a medication, look at, you know, people that are, um, pushing that, you know, treatment or or sponsoring it or saying you should do it. Mm -hmm. Do they have any vested interests? how big are their studies? How big is the sample size? And just maybe we can even create a little checklist for people who are like, I'm new into being my own healthcare advocate, but like what are some things that you can just general principles you can apply to going deep down the rabbit hole on pretty much anything when it comes to your health? Um, Because nobody is going to feel more confident than if they are their own expert. Right. Right. So, you know, had I gone in when Jack had that CMD diagnosis saying, Oh, well, you know, then this other doctor that I follow on social media or this person that I said that I've seen, you know, really, really intelligent person said this, this and this, mm-hmm. it's not going to be with the same conviction. And i frankly, I'm probably going to be much more easily swayed yeah. than if I, in my gut, in my intuition, in, in my soul, no, like everything that I've read, everything that I've learned tells me that this is not the way that we're going to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, then you'll end up with a hospital transfer, like I did, just yeah. being bullied into a treatment. Right, mm-hmm. and and frankly, that's the better outcome, totally. um, and, yes. and you'll have much less regret. Totally. So
0: I get multiple women a week reach out to me, and they say, "You are so bold for saying what you're saying. Thank you. I'm too scared to do that." And if you're listening right now, like because, like as women, we're people pleasers, right? Like we want to please everyone. Like we want to take up little space. We don't want make waves. But what I want to say is like, sometimes it's worth making waves, you know, like you, you have to make waves to, to take up more space and that's okay. Like as women, we need to take up space and we need to make space for other women too. Cause like I said earlier, women need women, right? So let's allow for more space for women to be able to speak up for themselves and for others and to, to just really be bold. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, that's it. That's
3: all I I'm to say not sure that. if I'm allowed to say this, but the false dichotomy that we're given as a mm-hmm. society and that women are forced to choose between is you're either a people pleaser or you're a bitch.
0: Right. That's true. Isn't that terrible? It's and- like, can I be both? <laughs> <laughs> well we
2: really demonize we want women to be so agreeable and so accessible Seriously. because we equate mm-hmm. women with love yeah we equate women with softness and kindness and delicacy and mm-hmm. you know we kind of treat women like they should be these community emotional whores right. where they're just constantly giving 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 yes. and doing all this free emotional and mental labor for yeah. everyone else yeah so for a woman to value herself enough yeah to know her limits and her own boundaries mm-hmm. and for her to say no yeah it's honestly dangerous to the whole system because the system is built upon her being constantly agreeable and accessible yep Um, so it's the most radical thing a woman can do is -hmm. to say no this resource actually belongs to me yeah or i'm prioritizing myself first or i disagree with you Or i've done the research and this is the conclusion that i've come to or this is
0: my body not yours yep Exactly. And you guys, and I, and I, I want to say this, like if people can't, because I was watching the, the Netflix special on Brené Brown, you know, and she was talking about like when she went viral, you know, and they, they say, don't read the comments, don't read the comments. But then as soon as everyone left her house, like she went and read the comments and she just like sank into like this depression. And I had this like aha moment of like, if people can hate Brené Brown, they can hate me. Do you know what I mean? Because Brené Brown is the most agreeable person on the face of the planet. Like she is like she's next fant- to yeah, mother, she's fantastic. she's fantastic. Like who can hate her? And yet people do. And so like as women, we need to break that bubble of like, we have to please everyone because that will never ever happen. So all we can do is please ourselves and attract people that that are of that same vibration. You know what I mean? Like we we can't attract those naysayers to us. Like they will be there. They'll always throw sticks. They'll always throw stones. Like don't give them power. You know what I mean? Like stand your ground, like take up your, take back your power, advocate for yourselves and don't let anyone bully you out of, getting educated. You don't have to have a medical degree to understand nutrition. You don't have to have a PhD to understand what's going in your body. You don't have to have any kind of like 10 years worth of schooling to recognize that you're taking a medication and it makes you feel off. I can't tell you how many times women with like... Hashimoto's for instance are on a thyroid medication and their doctor just says, Oh, we need to up it because of your symptoms. And then they up it and they're like, I don't feel good. And the doctor's like, no, 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 just, just sit it out. You know, like if you are one of these women because so many women have thyroid issues, like if you like, listen to your body, listen Mm -hmm. to your intuition and push back, you're allowed to push back. Your doctor doesn't have to dictate everything to you. And if they feel like they do, then you just need to fire them. And honestly, keep fighting for health
2: because Mm -hmm. it is not normal to be sick chronically. It's not. And we have completely normalized people just feeling off. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally normal. Mm -hmm. We've totally normalized that you just don't feel good and you have low energy and you're just stressed out. That's not normal. It's not. It's not normal. And we Mm -hmm. shouldn't normalize it. We should be constantly optimizing our health and looking, even if we earn great health and we feel fantastic, Mm -hmm. how can we optimize? How can we improve? Yeah. How can we age better? Yes. I how mean, can we yeah the, how can we retain what we have and how can we spread this how can we keep growing
0: how can we keep mm-hmm. expa- keep expanding The the hot thing right now is anti-aging right There was that book called Lifespan wasn't it where he talks about like the keys to um stopping aging I mean obviously we're aging but like there's things like nutrition and exercise mm-hmm. that just really build your body back up and can help you feel younger I know I feel better now than I did in my early 20s when I was in college drinking yeah. chocolate milk every day Okay the BYU Cramery chocolate milk <laughs> All you Mormons out there listening, like you're all shaking your head yes because that is like chocolate matter from heaven, chocolate milk. Like it's so <laughs> good, and I had about one or two of those a day. And then I also had my first root canal that semester. Yep. And like my first, like, you know, like all of my nutrients was leached and then my whole body started falling apart. So I feel much better now in my thirties than I did in my twenties.
3: It's Mormon beer, (laughs) that chocolate (laughs) milk from the BYU creamery, but they they actually do at at BYU, they do Milktoberfest. Do
0: they really? Yeah. Yeah. While
3: the rest of the world is doing Oktoberfest and destroying their livers with alcohol. The Mormons are destroying the rest of their gut with. Lactose. We well, I mean, if you
2: can't do alcohol and coffee, you got to have some kind of like food coping—sugar and, sugar and milk, chew sugar <laughs> and milk,
0: or, or soda. Yeah, you know that's <laughs> that's our culture's <laughs> alcohol now. Um, so so back to like, if people can hate Brené Brown, they can hate you. You guys take up more space. It's okay. Like like find women that are creating space for you and step in. Like start getting involved. Start educating yourself. And I just want to like take my hat off to. All of you women out there that constantly message me and say, I have spent hours learning stuff on your page or on your podcast, and I'm changing our lives, and I'm talking to my doctor about this, and I'm pushing back, like, that is fantastic. But we need to keep modeling this for other women. We need to keep talking up about it, or speaking up about it, sorry, like, and, and showing other women that they can do it too. Absolutely.
3: Uh, I I don't want the last word here, but I do want to say something before we're done. Um, And primarily speaking to the men, but really speaking to anyone who holds power in these situations. So Mm -hmm. the credentialed women fall into this category too. The thing about having power in a privilege oppression system is that it feels personal when that's challenged. And my invitation would be to really become aware of how you are taking it personally when people challenge your power mm-hmm. and, and try to let go of that and yeah. say, this isn't about me and this is not an attack on my hard work. It's not an attack on what I've done to get myself here. Yeah. It's simply an attack on a system that is designed to keep some people away from the power as much as possible. And you, as someone who holds power, has all of the ability in this situation to change things for the better Mm -hmm. and to make a world of difference for the person that you're interacting with who has been in that system of oppression for so long and has been told by so many people that their voice is irrelevant. Mm -hmm. And you have the chance to change that for them And if you can overcome your ego, if you can overcome that knee-jerk reaction that tells you, I hate this, this doesn't feel good. And if you can sit through the burning in your face that tells you, you hate this, Mm -hmm. you can change everything for the better. And you will be so, so, so incredibly appreciated for that. That's my invitation. Yeah,
2: I love that. I'll take the last word
0: then. Thanks, Lisa. Because
2: on the opposite opposite side of that, I, growing up in this system, I was taught to constantly outsource my power. And so, during my second pregnancy, when we decided to do a home birth and switch to a midwife, I had several moments that created very uncomfortable situations because my midwife was requesting for me to take power that I had never exercised Mm. or developed. Mm -hmm. And it was scary and fearful. And so on the flip side of this, we have plenty of people who have grown up in systems from childhood where they have not learned Mm -hmm. how to say no, how to say yes, how to listen to themselves, how to advocate for themselves. And so when they're in that situation where someone is requesting that they have a voice Mm -hmm. and they have a limit and they have a boundary or they have a question or they have a need, Mm -hmm. especially in a vulnerable situation like disease or birth or something that kind of puts you off of your natural strong A game, when you're feeling a little bit weary or run down Mm -hmm. from life and you need help, Mm -hmm. the worst thing we can do is to take people in these situations where they need support and they need help and take their power in that vulnerable situation. Totally, What we should be doing is advocating to pause, Mm -hmm. slow down, don't rush Mm -hmm. through healing Don't rush through your appointments. Don't rush through anything that's going on. Pause, slow down, take the time to listen, and take the time to speak. Because these are the delicate moments Mm -hmm. where we have an opportunity to heal or create trauma. And that has lasting effects on our relationships and on the future generation. So it's very, very, very important that if you have been taught that your acceptance in your family system or in your tribal system is that you constantly outsource your power. You're going to make the people around you uncomfortable and you're on double whammy Mm -hmm. where you have to not only learn how to show up for yourself, but you learn how to deal with other people's negative, uncomfortable emotions Mm -hmm. where they're going to want to shut you down or gaslight you or minimize you or, and so you have to, you have this, this double, these double attacks. So find the people who will help support you through that process as you grow and step into higher vibrancy and higher health where you can trust your voice, you can trust your experience and you can develop confidence.
0: Yes. I love that. I love that too. Um, I, want to say one last thing and then I want Shannon to say one last (laughs) thing, but, um, uh, moms out there that are advocating for your children, um, always go with your gut. You know what I mean? Like, just if there is something that doesn't feel right, um, there's there's no other person out there that knows your child as well as you do. Like trust that intuition, that mom instinct, and um, and keep pushing and keep advocating for your children because that is so important. I know we've been talking a lot about advocating for ourselves, but um, you know, like our children mean everything to us, and we we birthed them. We we know their every. Inch and like their every uh, nook and cranny on their body, you know what I mean. Like, we know their patterns, we know, we know their, their behavior, mm-hmm.
2: we know how they are experiencing their Thank world. You. And so when we go to a doctor's office and we say, "My child has changed behavior,"
0: mm-hmm.
2: they're in a stressful situation. Yep. Don't let your doctor gaslight you and minimize mm-hmm. that your child is different. Yes, that something that your child is going through something, mm-hmm. and that your child needs more support.
0: And don't like don't be too scared to reach out to online communities of like-minded moms who are trying to find information. You know, we, we, we all have to be information rats together and for each other, you know, and, um, and kind of tag each other and be like, Hey, can you help me with this? Has anyone experienced this? Because I guarantee you someone has, and someone has found some answers that can help you. So let's help each other. Like we don't have to follow this system anymore. Like we, we are intelligent and we are very capable and we don't have to have fancy initials behind our names to do these things. Uh, Shannon, what words of advice do you have to listeners before we close out?
1: Yeah, I was just thinking about that. I just listening to both of you speak, or all of you speak. and like, oh, this is such a great, like, parting wisdom. Um, uh, you know, I think the one thing that has been really relevant for me recently is not being afraid to mm-hmm. be wrong. Um, yeah. Yes. And I think one thing that has just been so freeing for me and has opened up so many things for me in in sharing and being vulnerable is like I have no egoic or identity attachment with Mm -hmm. the things that I'm saying. So if I'm saying something controversial and somebody says to me, you're totally wrong about this or that that, uh, source that you cited here's all of these different conflicts of interest that they have and you're such a hypocrite or or whatever. For me, it's, wow, thank you for bringing that to my attention. And now I'm, I'm going to see, and I'm going to go deeper and see like, what was I wrong about this?
3: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: And I think it's when we identify too closely with our beliefs that it becomes scary to hold any belief. Right. And that's when you're outsourcing all of your power. Yes. If you're, if you embrace that you are on a journey, you in- embrace that you have access, you know, via the internet um, mm. and search engines, <laughs> yeah. you have know, the access to a, a world of information um, and that you might get it wrong and that that would be okay. Totally. You are free. And, like, that is my advice is don't be afraid to be wrong. Don't be... Mm. Um, I, I would say be fearful of people who are afraid to be wrong sometimes, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's really it.
0: Thank you. Um, to you listeners out there, the world is changing. Like this medical model that we have is breaking and um, it's okay to invite that change. It's okay to be be the head of our own health and, and to, our doctors do not have to, delegate wellness to us anymore. And so what I want to tell everyone is just to lean into that and embrace it and to move forward and to empower and educate because this is, this is the new movement. And I want everyone to see that it's coming because we're tired we're, we're sick, we're literally sick, and we're tired. We're tired of how things have been. We're tired of how we have been kept in a corner. And so just allow yourselves to take up more space. Be okay being scared, you know, because you have to be scared in order for it to be bravery, right? And so be okay being scared, move forward, empower, and take up space because it is going to change. But it requires us taking up that space for the change to come. It's coming. It's coming slower. I mean, it's, it's coming slowly, but it will be faster the more women stand up to this. So thank you for sitting with us, taking space with us, and um, listening to these messages. Shannon, thank you so, so much for calling in. Liza, thank you so much for all your... Both you ladies are just fantastic, and I really look up to you both so much and thanks and and I look up to all of you and we love you Tristan and we look up to you too where's my cookie (laughs) (laughs) sugar free sugar Sugar free (laughs) okay thanks you guys